Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones. I don't think I'm supposed to uh, introduce the podcast. I think normally that's Pete's job, but I- I've done it now. So welcome. <laughs> we were just talking about structure. That's just like Peyton going, everyone get behind me. I got to talk first. Get get behind me. <laughs> it's It's like being lined up for like battle. And the guy's out front, the general, and you just run forward and go, everybody follow me as a foot soldier. Come on. And you just go running out there and everybody's kind of looking on as you're running and charging the battlefield. Like, I don't think it's time to go yet. Did I tell you that you see all this stuff in my hand right here? Yeah. You know what that is, don't you? Uh, it looks like a bunch of silver dollars. It's silver. I got 30 pieces of it. What does that mean? What does that mean? You have 30 pieces of silver in your hand? Uh, I've got more than that, but yeah. What's that mean? Did you literally count out 30 and put them in your hand? <laughs> did I Did I literally do it? Yeah. Well, I've got a bunch of silver quarters and dimes, so yeah. It's, it's- I was going to say that you have a dark street peak, Mitchell. If you counted out 30 pieces, what's that feel like? <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is i give uh no i i held those 30 pieces of silver and i i pretty much decided it's not worth betraying do, jesus do you like this. my one ounce silver bar wow you know you know pete this is a podcast like nobody can see no, what you you're can showing see. me right you that's how see. podcasts work <laughs> you know what <laughs> guys before we get going any further <clears throat> we, we need to address the uh, elephant in the room uh both Peyton and I have had many people reach out to us since our last podcast going, are you, are you guys really gone? Are you, are you really turning it over? <laughs> I had at least three people reach out to me with that, that very question. Um, 
And yes, Peyton and I, uh, as as we've shared on the show, you know, we've been looking. What's our next steps? Where should we be going? What should we be doing? And uh, and so, yeah, we did have someone lined up. Um, we did ask the fateful question, which was, "What was well, your favorite?" You say that before you say that. We got to set this up. Okay. If if I'm not doing appropriately, it tell me what did I miss in the setup? So so Clint Clifton was the dude we're talking to. He flew out. We did six episodes. I'm thinking, this guy's amazing. Like, the episodes, I still kind of one day want to play him because he's he's amazing when it comes to church planning. He knows a lot of stuff. He started church planning when he was very young. So in every respect, he's perfect to take over the podcast, except Pete. Go ahead. I got a bad feeling about this. We asked him the fateful question, which was, what was your favorite Star Wars character? And I believe his reply was something along the lines of, I've never watched Star Wars. To which I knew in that very moment, there was no way I was going to consent to turning over the podcast to this obvious genius of church planting world. I couldn't do that to our listeners. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I approached you. And I said, I, 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 I don't want to use my veto. Uh, we must veto this together. But he's never seen Star Wars. Uh, I don't think we can turn it yeah, over to him. Yeah, and, and in fairness to him, it's not, it's not just him. We, we, it's not you, it's us. Um, <laughs> we, we actually were kind of talking, and, and he was having a few thoughts about his own podcast. And we were having oh, no. a few thoughts it's about It's because of Star Wars. Let's give credit where credit is due. <laughs> You hadn't watched Star Wars, Clint. You're out. That's all there is to it. You're out. So, you know, what's funny, man, <laughs> is trying honestly. To save this. Peyton's trying. He's, he's like, no, man. No, I don't. No, no. Honestly, though, we, we, it's so funny because you asked that question. And I asked that question completely independently. So the day I had him for one day, and then the time you were on, we, we both asked him this question. We well, both you, were asking, In, so, in uh, fairness, you texted me. You know, you asked who your you texted me and said, uh, he's never seen Star Wars. So <laughs> uh, we have a problem. I'm here. He's flown out and he's never seen Star Wars. Why did I not ask this? You kind of teed me up. I mean, <laughs> that's like telling me to say, hey, uh, whatever you do, don't look inside the bag. Uh, of course, I'm going to look inside the bag. I mean, y- you can't tell me not to do something. And right. I'm yeah. I'm a child. I'm I'm five years old. I've learned that about Pete. You know, if you if there's a, a kind of like my brother in high school, my brother was the exact same way. So I'm I'm used to handling Pete. I am his handler at conferences. Uh, there was a sign on the door at this local pet shop that said, uh, you know, don't open the door. Monkey inside. So my brother walks over to it and just opens the door. Now they don't have this door locked, right? It's like this little atrium. He opens it and this monkey like looks at him in this bush and screams. And flies at the door. My brother goes, slam! Monkey hits the glass, falls down on the ground. And uh, that that's kind of metaphorically what I've learned with Pete. I literally Don't thought you were making a up. a monkey in the room or he's going to open the door. I thought you were making up a story until I realized, oh, no, this is a real story. This actually happened. No, dude, I was in the I was in the pet shop with my brother, and he walks over this door, and there's a sign on it that says, "Don't open door. Monkey will 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 run out, or monkey in room, something like that." And he goes, "Okay, oh, there's a monkey in the room." He opens the door, <laughs> so that that's become a giant metaphor 
when I see people were like, you can't tell them. It's kind of like Bill Cosby's thing about Adam and Eve where he goes, you can eat every tree except the, for, for the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And he goes, Adam and Eve go, what tree? <laughs> <laughs> what tree is that? Yeah. Well. Uh. So, anyways. Anyways. So we, Pete and I are kind of we, – we, we we think we're going to work it out. We've been in counseling. We've been seeing people. We're working through all these steps. They gave us a workbook. We, we need to have the they appropriate told, music in the background. We're st- please please continue. We're we're starting to date again. Um, he got me flowers the other day. I bought him chocolates and uh, no, but for real, like we we've I, I think you do this as an apostolic person as an entrepreneur. You look at things that you've been doing. I mean, I don't know, Pete, six years is a long time for guys like you and me to be sticking at something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the Church Planter Podcast with your Welcome host. Welcome to the Church Planter Podcast. Pete and Pete. Dang it, things are starting to change around here. So, uh, oh, they're going downhill, time. baby. Downhill faster. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, you know, but we're, we're rethinking everything and, <sighs> you know, more, more on that in the weeks to come. But, uh, uh true Pete story. Uh, snack. True story. Someone reached out to me this morning wanting to advertise on the podcast. <laughs> true story. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I was like, oh. huh. So, uh, maybe Peyton was right. <laughs> maybe this was God getting our attention back. <laughs> Oh, man. All, all I know is for Pete and I, it was kind of like, as we've been talking, it's kind of like we, okay, two things. Number one. <laughs> and, and here's we, what stems out of it. We're like now going to add a couple more magazines to the mix. We've got two more podcasts. It's like, we are just like in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's go. Well, that's kind of how, that's kind of how it had to be because for, for me, and I think for you, you were kind of like, like we never seriously took this seriously. And. <laughs> And I think in some ways that that kind of worked well for us because our two things was, hey, we're here. Let's serve the church planner. We're not here to make some big thing. We're not here to make a big podcast. We're not here. And it grew. And I think part of that is that people were like, hey, you know, these guys, they're not out for themselves. They're they're really here to serve me. And uh, and you and I weren't out to make money off this. And so as I'm looking at it. <laughs> but all that's going to change. Oh, you wait. <laughs> But, you know, no, but for real, it, it was just kind of like, I think that that helped perhaps generate, um, you know, a trust between us and, and, and our listeners and our audience. But at the same time, I think you and I, we, we handed it on to the altar and we're like, hey, you know, uh, God, you you take all of this. This is kingdom stuff. And we're ready to give it away. To a, 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 there was a, a host of, 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 of players and, and contestants. We were like, hey, we're, we approached, we had some conversations with some big players and said, hey, we want to give this to you. And at the end talking of the day, about the magazine. you and I both you talking about the came magazine. back at the end of Not the podcast. What's that? I'm just making sure everyone understands we're talking about the magazine. Like we were almost at the point yeah. where we were turning over the magazine as well. Yeah, the podcast and the magazine, they were good people, you know. It was kind of like, you know, I mean, I, in many ways, I could have felt really good. I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't. But but at the same time, I think it came back to um, 
almost like a ram in the thicket where God's like, hey, you know, um, no, look, there's a ram in the thicket. You don't got to give that to me, but I'm glad you're willing to. And I think for Pete and I, once we had done that, it was like, well, you know, there's a stewardship issue here of, uh, you know, we have something here that that's actually been pretty special. And maybe, you know, kind of like when I was in high school, I, I remember my coach wanted me to, um, to play football. And I, I flunked every class my freshman year. I just didn't go to class or whatever. And, uh, my, my coach comes and finds me because, you know, they, they know where you live. They know where you play. They know who you hang out. It was weird. It was during the summer. He finds me when I'm hanging out with my friends out in public and it goes, get in the car. And so I get in the car and he's like, he hands me a stack of papers. He's like, you're, you're gonna get good grades. You need B's on all this. I've, I've been out and I've talked to all your teachers. You're playing football this year. Okay. So I go and do it and I get B's and it wasn't hard. I just sat down and did it for like an afternoon. And I was like, I'm, I wonder like, what position what did you play? Were you the ball? Believe it or not, I played a center. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, okay. Team captain and offensive player of the year, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's some smack talk for the, you, pal. The, this has got to be Pee Wee League. That's all I'm saying. This has got to be when everyone was hey, small. Hey, big guys, you just hit them low and hard, and you can steer them wherever you want to go. That's all I'm telling you, man. So I don't have any back problems at all, though. But, you know, it, it's funny because, um, you know, my, my whole takeaway from that was what if I really tried? Like, what if I actually – because I got A's the next year. I was like, what if I just put a little bit of effort in my – got straight A's. Never in my life would I have gotten straight A's. And uh, just a little bit of effort, and funny enough, that's how I ended up in the class, college prep class, met my wife, and uh, now I'm married. So I got a woman out of that deal. It's kind of cool. So you I never would have been in a college the, prep class. You owe everything to the football coach. <laughs> I've never thought about it that Everything way. goes back to that one moment when he said, get in the car. Could have gone anywhere. <laughs> What if I hadn't gotten the car? That'll be my next blog post. <laughs> you would, you know, that's true. What if you hadn't gotten in the car? But you, you know, what's funny though is going back to that. It's kind of like this podcast. It's like, what if we tried? What if we actually <laughs> we decided actually we're going to put hey, some intentionality hey, into? Hey, this let's thing. let's let's pull back on the reins here a little bit. I don't want to really like try too hard. You know, he <laughs> <laughs> almost made me spit my coffee out. <laughs> Oh so I want to hear Pete Mitchell smack. Otherwise, I'm going to start talking about Star Wars. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. <laughs> that guy has so much business on Fiverr. Hey, I can do a Batman voice. I just go really deep and raspy <laughs> like this. Either one of us could have done it, but no, we're going to pay some guy five bucks. You hey, know. I'm going to go on Fiverr and start being Yoda. I don't do a bad Yoda. Dude, you can. You've yeah. heard my my Christopher Walken. You've heard my Morgan Freeman. Your Christopher Walken is amazing. It really that is. is awesome. The worst part is, is uh, basically Gen Y and younger don't even know who Christopher Walken is. And, and that is what breaks my heart. That's hard, dude. I, really, it is. Or cowbell. That's all I'm going to say to that. <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> that's it. And the other thing, too, is uh, millennials, they don't know who Nana is. I'm sorry, Mr. Paul Mitchell. I've dialed the wrong number. I'm trying to reach a granddaughter. Bye-bye. Oh, so rad, dude. <laughs> Man, 
Nana. Nana, we love you. Just on behalf of all of our listeners, Nana, you, we love you. You have a million grandchildren through this podcast, and we don't know who you are or where you are, but thanks for being Nana to this podcast. Mm, that's, that's all we got to say on that. This was a moving moment with Peyton and Pete. You know, I'm trying to think what, what has happened over the last uh, couple of weeks that, uh, that's worthy of podcast. You know what sucks, dude? Like, I have so much smack that builds up, and and then, like, I lose it. I'll, I'll say to Andrew, oh, remind me to talk about this on Smack Talk. Like, funny stuff, awesome stuff, and then it just... Is gone. Dust in the wind, dude. All we are is dust in the wind. That's Bill and Ted when they stood at the gates of heaven and to say <laughs> something wise to That was... It, it's, it kind of... It keeps amazing me how different our tastes in movies are. <gasps> like we thought. No. We okay, th- okay, we're about to have a falling out. No, no, I'm just saying. I, I didn't think Bogus Journey was anywhere near as good as Excellent Adventure. Are you serious? Yeah. Any, oh, like Bogus I, Journey I wouldn't, was way better. I wouldn't watch Bogus Journey again. And. <gasps> And here's the thing. I was about ready to rent open range when I remembered how different our tastes in movies were. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to rent open range after all because he and I really don't have the <gasps> same taste in movies. So I didn't rent it. Oh, dude. Open range. Uh, Silverado. You just got to trust me on Silverado. Well, I, I can't trust you. <laughs> we have different tastes. Like we've discovered that. We know these things. Watch them both, and maybe I'll I'll get one for two. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm I'm betting it's gonna be more like a zero for two. It's just yeah. it's nothing wrong. Well, the it's fact just, that you think Tombstone is one of the greatest movies ever made probably. Do you probably say no to that? Don't. Yeah. Uh, so okay, at that time, yeah. White Earth came out. We're, now you gotta understand. I've been to Tombstone. I've read biographies. I'm a history buff. So I. I like the White Earp, Kevin Costner, or the, uh, was it Kevin? No, who played White Earp? Was that Kevin Costner? I have no idea. Yeah, I like that movie better. No, Kevin Costner played White Earp in Tombstone. What's that? Kevin, no, not Kevin, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking, yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was Kevin Costner. I don't know. I don't, so, and, and the other thing is Doc Holliday was good in both movies. Kind of stole the show, I would say, in both movies. Um, Dennis Quaid plays him. And wider, just show stealer, and of course Val Kilmer um, plays him in Tombstone. And, you know, but I'm then again, But then again, she could be the Antichrist. <laughs> that was like a great line in the movie <laughs> when he's looking at the 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 chick leave, and she's leaving him because he's about ready to go into his final battle. As yeah, as they, they all thought. Yeah. So I, you know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can't even think of anything smack talk worthy that I've had happen this last week. Well, let's talk about Star Wars then. Okay, go for it. If you're new to Smack Talk and you've endured this long, um, what we do is the first few minutes of the podcast we talk absolute smack, and then we get into the nitty gritty. And uh, first off, um, I want to uh, talk about. Um, the new Star Wars film. A little bit of information's come out. Um, Vanity Fair reports that uh, in this next film, we're going to see the Knights of Ren. 
So here you got J.J. Abrams. He's come back and he's like, hey, I'm going to fix the Star Wars franchise, right? So, Ryan, thanks for playing, um, but, you know, you don't win. Uh, I got to come back and I have to um, fix all this. So, and they've got photos of these guys as well. Dude, it looks like something out of Mad Max. Knights of Renner. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're good, bad, ugly. <coughs> um, my, my understanding was they turned bad and they're following Kylo. You know, Knights of Ren, Kylo Ren. But, um, yeah, I mean, they got them. They're looking like road warriors, man. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter to me. I don't know that I'm going to go see the movie. Really? No, I'll see it. I just. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't want to give them my money. I, I am. They ruined it. They they ruined this. They ruined it worse than George Lucas did. And I still think you had the greatest line ever when you said. Uh, that the the last Jedi they made they made the prequels look like Oscar winners compared they to that. did and, the, and and I was like mm. wow man he really nailed it with that he really nailed it that's how bad that movie was yeah yeah even the prequels look good they um, did yeah and I can't stand the prequels yeah yeah sure enough the other bit is um, they have they're gonna t- take us to a um uh they're gonna take us to a snow dusted planet and a desert planet kind of like they did before so no no jungles right we got jungles in uh i still think the coolest scene was in rogue one when they're on basically uh hawaii with adats dude dude that movie and and the blue um, ocean it was it was so beautiful I love that, that movie's a masterpiece. Dude. It really is it's a masterpiece of cinematography. With no it's Jedi, a masterpiece. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just said with no Jedi. I mean, it was a masterpiece with no Jedi. I still think that the transformation of um, Jin Darso is a little bit abrupt, but the more I reflect on, I'm like, no, she put the the issue was with her dad, and she puts that to rest when she sees him. Then she's like, okay, look, I realized my dad was on the right side. Let's go. You know, let's finish what he started. And that was kind of cool. But then, you know, she's not all. It, it was hard for me to to get that trans. That was the only sticking point in the beginning. But now I kind of, as sometimes you got to watch a movie a couple times ago. I see what you did there. So. I Yeah. And then the last scene with Darth Vader showing up. That's what I'm saying right there. Right. <clears throat> and that's what inspired the, uh, the fan to redo the Obi-Wan and uh, Darth Vader fight scene from star Wars and actually right. turned it into one of the coolest later, uh, lightsaber battles ever. Yeah. And, and absolutely. Um, and in the new movie, they're going to have, um, uh, Ray and Kylo are going to fight again. Of course, big surprise. Um, they're saying that they're, uh, uh, Adam driver says that they're, connection their force connection runs quote even deeper than we thought and to be honest with you it's not deeper than what i thought i know you guys are twins so where'd you go did you freeze i'm just listening now you blink i'm just oh, listening. okay yeah i right. i i had uh travis reach out to me after he listened to the podcast where you gave your theory and i think it was travis and he was like Something along the lines of, I really hope <laughs> Peyton's right. He goes, he's not going to be, but I really hope he is because yeah. that would have saved the story. And I agree. It would, wouldn't it? Oh, totally would. It would. 
I mean, it, it wouldn't would, have it redeemed a horror movie. All the but, mess we saw. Yeah. Yeah, it would have fixed it. So If only J.J. had called me. It was like, dude, I was here. You know, you could have just called me and asked me how to fix your broken Star Wars film. By the way, that is the funniest meme going around right now. I'm sorry your dragon show ended stupid. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's another meme that shows Homer Simpson on the on the sofa and he goes <laughs> It says after years of being pressured into watching um Game of Thrones only to feel vindicated when this show ended stupid, and then it shows Homer Simpson laying on the sofa going, I'm smarter than everybody. <laughs> I remember. Yes. Yeah. So. That's it. That's all I got. That's all right. Well, hey, let's get into our topic then, shall we? Uh, Yeah. Let me see here. Doc. 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 Great Scott! Great Scott! Hey, that it's was... time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right, we don't need them. We can do our own sound bites. And they would have so, been cheaper. Uh, it would have saved us ten dollars right there. No kidding, man! Like we've been doing this whole thing wrong. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, let's um, let's talk about the topic. The topic today is how to reach out to people. Uh, naturally, like how to do missional engagement right. So, you know, everybody talks about reaching lost people. I, I got this, I got this kind of pet peeve. I'll go onto Facebook, I'll see ministers and you know, they, they bug me in general. They do. I, I gotta be honest. I have issues. Um, but a lot of times pastors bother me. And, and part of it is because we've made the job something it's not supposed to be. So when I watch a profile picture of a minister, um, I'm grumpy old man. I, I get upset if I see it's an action pose of you in the pulpit, right? Um, I don't think that's what real ministry is. And it, it, it seems kind of arrogant to me. Like your action shot is you preaching. Um, like, you know, hey, this is real minute. This is what I do. Well, hopefully that's not all you do because the preaching that Paul did is not the preaching you do. The preaching Paul did was out in public. The preaching Paul did was on the streets. The preaching Paul did was completely to lost people in threat of his life. So when you're in a church building and you're preaching to a room full of Christians and you feel like a weakened hero, you're not. And, and I, you know, I, I hate to break it to you. Um, you keep using that word preaching, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you know what it means. I don't um, think it means what you think it means. There we go. That's what I was. That's what I was going for. Thank you. Uh, see, we don't need sound bites. So, anyways, what I want to do today is I want to talk about five different things, and I'm taking a, a page out of Clint Clifton's book here because I was really impressed with him when when we went through. He had like a list. It was like Johnny Carson. Like I got ten things, and I got five things, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna try that. So I'm gonna give you five ways. To missionally engage. And if you listen to this and you're like, Peyton, knock it off. That sucks. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pete's favorite sound bite. I don't know where that one is. Oh, wait. There it is. <laughs> I was going to say, I was waiting for don't it. Don't do that. <laughs> then let me know. I'll know I, it flopped and uh, I'll go back to being Peyton. But, okay. So, first thing is, number one, you need, okay. So, so I'm, I'm talking with church planners all the time and they're like, dude, outreach. Like, how do I do it? I want to do it, but I'm drawing a blank. 
Um, I know I need to be out there. I know I need to do stuff. So number one, that one of the keys to doing to missionally engaging people um, is to enter the natural rhythms that are there already. So when we think of outreach, we often think things like, and by the way, I know you millennials don't like that term outreach. It's tough. You can bite my left butt cheek. Um, the, the, the fact that <laughs> uh, uh, language, <laughs> no, but that that's the point. Language is, is a fickle mistress. Language changes all the time. And I don't care if you don't like it. It's reaching out. It's outreach. And what people don't like is they're like, well, that makes it feel like people are a project. Well, so does the word mission that you replaced it with. People are your mission now. You're my mission. Like, okay, so out of the frying pan, into the fire. I, I just, how do I put it? I'm cynical. I'm getting old and I'm getting grumpy. And when I see trends and bad, it's like this whole, you know, discussion about, you know, one is consumer Christianity and one is missional. Well, okay, I get that. But a lot of the stuff you call consumer Christianity, Paul did and, and Jesus did. Jesus did things that were attractional. Hello, miracles, right? Pentecost uh, was attractional. They spoke in tongues and there was a sound like a rushing wind. It gathered a crowd. Um, that was attractional. But would would Paul consider staging a riot? I mean, Paul Paul said things provocatively and sometimes on purpose to, to start a riot. Um, he goes, I stand here accused today over the resurrection. And he drops that out there knowing that it's going to spark a reaction and a riot and create a problem. And for Paul, it was like, no press is, is bad press. So the question is then, is would Paul have considered this, you know, uh, attractional stuff to be consumer? No, but you do got to be missional. And so I see both and not either or. But I, I guess my point is, I think sometimes the current trendy conversations lead us to a point of the false dichotomy, you know, the fallacy of the false choice, the dichotomy of, of false choices. You don't have to choose between these things. Look, Miller Lite is both great tasting and less filling. Does that make sense? It is not great tasting. <laughs> The, the point of this is, is that you, you can't just create something to do um, for the sake of evangelism. Like, like, for example, like often what people will do is it'll be like, hey, let's uh, let's go create a party and we'll throw a party and we'll share the gospel and we'll get the bounce house and the popcorn machine and yada, yada. And we'll create a really crappy carnival and expect people to come and hear the gospel. It doesn't quite work that way. Now, if you want to like stage something like people are having a picnic in the park and you want to ha- like kind of join in on that on a summer's day and you want to throw a concert because people like concerts in the park, you make sure it's good music, you make sure all the, the bouncy house is cool, you make sure you're, you're serving a, a, a barbecue because people are in the park and it's lunchtime and they're hungry, that's entering a natural rhythm. That's okay. And that's effective. And that works. So feeding people is always going to be a part of entering a natural rhythm. But when you watch Paul tooling around, Paul doesn't go right, um, kind of like a, a pop-up. He doesn't put a pop-up tent. He doesn't put a soapbox out. And he doesn't stand up in the market square and just start 
preaching on the street. What Paul does is he, the times that we see him preaching in the street, he's joining in on something that's already going on. So like in Mars Hill, um, that's what they did. So like you would go to Hyde Park in London and all the nuts, like I would actually say today, don't go to Hyde Park and preach the gospel because almost everybody who's publicly speaking in Hyde Park is absolutely nuts, absolutely out of their head crazy. If you've been to Hyde Park, you know what I'm talking about. I have no um, idea what so, you're talking about. So Hyde Park is is in London. It's a tradition for people to do open-air speaking. Okay. It's just what you do. Right. So if you want to get an idea out there, and it, it's, it's a novelty and it's fun, and tourists go to Hyde Park. It's known for um, kind of like open-air speaking, and there will be preachers there, but normally not good ones nowadays. So anyways, the, the, the idea is that Paul enters – the, the existing rhythm. So he will, um, if people were in the marketplace, he'll go set up a tent and do, mar- you know, market his wares, which would be like tent making. He sets up a skill. He enters the natural rhythms. If the women are down by the water praying, Paul goes and joins in on the prayer group. So, so the first thing you need to do is you need to join into the rhythms. You need to look at the rhythms that are already there. So like Anna and I, we would, um, we would do uh, uh, a reading group at Barnes & Noble. The other day, I went into Barnes & Noble. Forgive my sexism, but I went in there and I, I, I asked them. I said, look, I keep looking every month because I want to join your Barnes & Noble reading group. But every month, it's like a book about two sisters and World War One and the, tr- the troubles that women face. And I go, no offense to you guys. Look, I'll read one or two of those a year. I, I don't got a problem. But I go, every month, I go, it's it's kind of like – can we have a gender neutral selection for the book of the month club? Or is this, is this like the women's reading group? And I'm not, I'm not trying to be insulting here, but, and the lady started laughing and she goes, you're right. You're right. No, these are not good. I pointed to a book and I go, look, that book right there. It's about Lewis and Clark expedition. Like I'd read a book on that. Like, can we just pepper some, some other books in there? And um, she goes, well, maybe you would like to go to the science fiction book reading club. And I go, oh, actually I wouldn't. She took me over and she handed me a book on vampires. I'm like, great twilight series. It wasn't, wasn't twilight, but I'm like <laughs> heavens, right? Like, and I'm pretty sure if I go, there's going to all be women. Cause no, no construction worker named Mel is going to pick up a book about the troubles of two sisters in world war one, Russia. Right. Um, it, it's, it had rose in the title, like the roses of spring or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. But well, but they also got to look at who their market is. Maybe there aren't enough men who would. Go and there's to those. never gonna be if they keep it up. No, so I, you, you gotta, I think you're right, though. Yeah, I think yeah, you're I mean, right. I think reading clubs are given to women. I do. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They got to know who their market is. So that could be the reason why they're not doing that. I know that wasn't the point of <laughs> going down this rabbit hole. No, but but you're right. And I know that. I, I did think that because when I think back to all the reading clubs I went to, they were predominantly women. Yeah. So for you single guys out there, I'm, you know. When I go to my uh, my audible listening club, um, it's it's mostly men driving in cars. Well, and see, and that interesting because that literally could be – the answer there. Dude, and, I was and maybe making they're it missing up. that. There is no audible listening club because it's anyway, let's just move on. Was that a joke? It, it was not a good one, but you know, it was of the vein. <laughs> <laughs> it was along the lines of humor. <laughs> 
No one's going <laughs> to accuse it. Related. No one's going to accuse it of being uh, humor at this point. <laughs> it was a noble attempt, like my attempt to get the reading group changed. But you know, it, but but the point is, is that it's I love a how she rhythm. takes you to the and science I, fiction, and it's all about vampires <laughs> and the girl who right. loves them. Yes, yes, yes. No, it actually it actually was more legit than that. It was like a future where they rule the world. And I was like, okay, it's a little dystopian, you know. I think cool. Ethan Hawke did that movie. William yeah, what Defoe was, was in it. I'm trying to remember which one that was. I never saw that one. Is that good? Eh. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I could put it up there with open range, but, you know. Oh no, you sure you surely couldn't. But okay, so that's the first one. The second one is okay. So now some of you guys have heard this, and you're like, okay, you know, cool. So I go to the reading group. Then what do I do? The point is to get around lost people and to to start building relationships, right? Start talking to them, get to know their issues, get to know their problems, their beliefs. Um, don't think of it as a one way. Um, street. So the mistake we make is we think that the missional engagement that we do has to be one event. It accomplishes everything in one go. And so what I have is a two-tier system. And what a two-tier system, I learned this from a guy that I planted um, Pillar in out of the Starbucks. He and I tag team that. And um, I learned it from him because he could just get an amazing amount of youth um, to come to stuff. And I, and I remember asking him once, how do you do that, man? I, you're kind of a legend. And he goes, well, I do a two tier thing. He goes, so I'll throw rugby games. Um, and then I'll do, uh, you know, something after that. So I'll do these rad film nights or I'll do whatever. And he goes, but it's a two tier. He goes, it's kind of like my front porch versus my living room. Right. Like if a salesman comes, he's on my front porch and that's, that's cool. Like not just people don't just come onto your front porch. It, there's kind of a threshold to cross when you get onto the, like you have to have a reason to walk onto someone's front porch. You don't just hang out on people's front porch. So he goes, so that's how I think of it. I get him on my front porch and he goes, and then, but if I want him to come into my kitchen or my living room, that's like the second, second thing, or maybe I want him in the front hallway. So he goes, so you have a second tier and a third tier. He goes, I think of like come to church as like the third tier. Maybe that's like my living room and the, and the front hallways like cross the threshold and come in. So he goes, I do a two tier where I'll invite people into a discipleship group or, you know, so, so you got to think about if I'm doing a Barnes and Noble reading group, um, the second tier is, Hey, let's go out to coffee. And I'm not going to do that with a woman. Like if there's dudes or couples, me and my wife who are at this thing, we go, Hey, you guys want to grab some coffee afterwards? And we get to know them and we build a relationship. That's very naturally happening. Like when I church plant right now, I can just tell you, I'm, I'll probably gather up all these backslidden, um, Catholics. I don't know that any of them are saved, but they keep telling my wife and I, Hey, when you guys start a church, we want to go. Well, these are just, parents I'm hanging out with every weekend because my daughter's playing lacrosse. And when she does cheer, there's an overlap. And there's this kind of community of parents forming. One of them asked me recently, will you baptize my daughter? Because they all go to a Christian school together. So these are sports at a Christian school. Well, here's a newsflash. Not everybody who goes to a Christian school is Christian or who sends their kids to Christian school is Christian. So there's a ton of Catholics sending their, their kids to this school. And, uh, and they don't go to church. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a deal right now where um, 
I'm just forming relationships. We're going out to eat after the games. We're, we're, you know, I'm buying them dinner. They're buying me beer, you know, boom, boom, boom. And that's a, that's a second. So have a, have a two tier or three tier system mindset when you do it and have that approach and make it very natural. Number three, (laughs) you really did. You, you committed to the list. I did, man. This is like every pastor. Any, any thoughts? Because I'm not letting you talk again. This, this is every pastor's dream. Oh, he's got lists. Next thing you know, we're going to have a series. It's going to be an eight-parter. We've got the summer Dude, covered. Let's just stop there. And wait. Next week is a series part two. So I know. Here. I'll leave them on a cliffhanger. Everyone will want to come back the next week then. They'll be thinking about it all week. It'll be like Games of, Games of Thrones all over again. Games of so, Thrones. Games of Thrones. Oh, the Games of Thrones we play. So, uh, Pete, did you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, ironically, I did actually watch it. I uh, I waited spoiler until... Alert. Here comes a spoiler alert, because I want to ask Pete what he thought about the end. I, I waited until the series was done, this eighth season, and then I uh, did my seven-day free trial to HBO on Amazon, <laughs> binged all six episodes, and... Uh, uh, canceling it before Sunday when I would actually get charged the the fifteen dollars for it. Um, I didn't really it's care. It's so funny because that's that's what I did. Oh, I was it through Angel Vid with yeah. all of the like naughty naughty bits taken out? Yeah, I did the exact same thing. Yeah, I um I never really cared about it, and I didn't really care about the ending. I I I literally I just didn't care. I was like, okay, so uh, that dude's now the king. Who cares? I I didn't care. Yeah. I like I yeah, wouldn't have cared I if I didn't watch it. I I'm not like the Game of Thrones. Oh, I got to see this. I love this show. I I never really cared. Yeah, I uh, it's funny, dude, cuz I think when you got God in your life, you kind of got bigger things going on than who's sitting on the throne in imaginary Westeros. I don't think that was my reasoning, but yeah, I like that better. It makes me sound holy. So uh, Pete, it's because you're so holy that the things of earth no longer concern you. <laughs> I just didn't care. I literally you're like, I didn't you're care. You're like Brandon the Broken. I don't know how to say it any clearer than I didn't care. And I always find, see, when I watch a lot of this stuff, I, I am fascinated by human nature. And I think that's the marketer in me because to be effective at marketing, you have to understand people and what motivates them and what they're after. And so I find uh, TV shows really interesting because you can see the theories, the life theories behind the writers. Yes. In how they write characters and how those characters handle the situations. And then when you see uh, how people react to it in the marketplace and, oh, you know, I really love this show. Or I really love that character. You can tell they're identifying with what that writer is saying. And of course, as a Christian, I see through a lot of that and just go, this is pathetic. You know, like, right. this is pathetic, but I, I can see where you're coming from. And it's from having a lack of, of belief in anything higher than yourself. Like, you see yourself as the best thing in the world. I yep. don't know that that makes any sense because you just have to be inside my head for it to, to make sense. It it does make sense. And <clears throat> here's the thing. I think this this ties into our next point, which is, you know, it, okay, obviously 
entering the natural rhythms. But what, what I would say is a third thing is let people do what they love as, as part of outreach. So if you love watching Game of Thrones, um, I know we, we had a discussion once, um, then, then you should watch Game of Thrones to the glory of God. Um, <laughs> I know people are going to be like, what? What? Porn to the glory of God? Um, here, here's the thing. It is quite pornographic. And I, Andrew and I tried watching the first episode, and I was like, okay, that, that crosses lines for me. I won't be watching that show. Then the angel vid came out. And they, they advertise. They're like, watch Game of Thrones. And I'm thinking, man, I love Lord of the Rings. I, I love fantasy. I love dragons. I love people hacking each other with swords. But I don't want to see all the sex uh, because that opens doors for me. And um, doors that ought to remain closed. And uh, so I, I, I put it through Angel Vid. But again, you know, you got a, lot, a bunch of people, articles, you know, can Christians watch Games of Thrones, you know? And, uh, and, and part of my response to that is I think most Christians are watching stuff way worse than that, if we're honest. And, and, and so here's the deal. Um, I don't want to look at pornography, and I put barriers in my life to not look at pornography, and I would encourage everybody to do so. But what I would say is if everybody in the world is watching Game of Thrones, it might just be helpful to you to find a way to watch it without having to violate um, the boundaries you've set up in your life for your walk with God. So uh, Angel Vid, to me, it, it was a, a, it was something I enjoyed, and I knew I'm going to have so many conversations with people over this. Um, it's a connector. One of the things that bothers me is I don't know sports. I walk up to a group of dads over the game and they immediately start talking basketball. I have no idea what the heck they're saying. And I'll be honest, that bothers me, but I'm not going to watch basketball. And that's because of the third point. Let people do what they love. Let them do what they're gifted for. Sports is never going to interest me. So I think to myself, well, that's not the thing we're going to connect on. But we're going to connect on something. It's just not that. And during this conversation, I'm going to sit there like Clint Clifton in a Star Wars discussion. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, but I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be like, okay, this isn't doing anything for me. It's not connecting with me. So, uh, and, and, and what I would say is this, um, do what you love. If you love going to a reading group, make that your thing. Don't ever do something that does not appeal to you, that you're like, I'm just here for the mission. Don't do that because I don't think that's going to be effective for you. Do something you love. If it's, you know, I joined a a, a class on learning the Italian language, let that be the rhythm that you enter into, but make sure it's something that you're good at. The the other thing is, and, and maybe I should have put that other point first, it is to attach mission to each grouping of believers. So think about like you got all these small groups. You should always attach um, everything that they're doing to a mission. So find what they love. Find what that group of people loves and let them go do that and let that be their mission. So don't create a phony mission. Don't create something they got to do that's awkward like approaching strangers with gospel tracts because nobody, everybody thinks that's what evangelism is and nobody wants to do that crap. Like well, nobody, but some people do. And honestly, I look at that and I'm grateful to, to some people who do that. 
you know, I remember I was going up to um, somewhere on the the mountain arrowhead for the uh, Calvary Chapel conference center. I think it was like a men's retreat that Huntington Beach uh, Refuge was was doing. And um, and I remember somehow stopping on the way and and I was, you know, sitting out on a, a chair with a little table in front of a store. And this guy comes over and hands me a track. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And then ended up seeing him at that 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 retreat, and uh, but I was just like, all right, well, he's doing something that I wouldn't do, so I'm just I'm grateful that he's doing it. Well, and that and and I agree with you 100. percent But that's typically the evangelist because the evangelist will be like, you know, green eggs, do whatever and ham. it takes. Yeah, do whatever it takes. Yeah, he's like in the train, you know, in a train in the rain in a box with a fox. You know, it's green eggs and ham for him. That right. that's what he eats for breakfast every day, and and he'll go anywhere and any. But the average person in the church is not the evangelist. And so what, what evangelists often do, and, and, and I would say this can actually be very good for you to kind of help you overcome your fears of evangelism, is he takes you out and he says, hey, let's, let's go do this. If he does it well, then like I've had street preachers that do it very, very well. And then I've also had people that, you know, they'll uh, do art. And they'll wait for people that they'll go on the pier and do art and they'll wait for people to come up to them and talk to them. And then they'll share the God. Well, what I'm painting is boom. There's all different kinds of ways to do that. But um, I was very helped by being thrown out to to talk to strangers um, all, like the day after I was saved or this two days after I saved helped me immensely. So I agree with you. I, I actually think we got to be careful. But what the point I'm making is one size doesn't fit all like that should not be the only type of evangelism that people uh, think of. And and I think we've done a bad job of, of making that like that's what evangelism is when it's not, particularly for introverts who are never going to ever like think that that's a wonderful idea, right? right. Introverts are never going to like that. Yep. And you're, you're going to turn them off from evangelism. But I know with you, Pete, like, if you're sitting there, you get together with a friend who doesn't know the Lord, and you're having a beer with him and talking business. I know right before that meeting, you're like, "Hey, dude, pray for me. I'm going to be and I, I he's going through this, and he needs Jesus." And boom, that's how Pete Mitchell does evangelism: is over a beer and dinner. And yeah, yeah, it's just that I don't get together with people very often because you know they want to talk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you, that's you true. want to know what's really weird? I was thinking about this because, as you know, I went to that. Um, high-end mastermind group and so and this is very common in the business world like the higher up you go in uh personal development i i think that's the best way to to classify it you will like a really big deal is all this uh wooey wooey type stuff you know um I don't even know how to put it other than like everyone in the self-development world is very into the wooey wooey in the spiritual side of things. Certainly not God, right? But there's the spiritual side and you got to have the spiritual side and, and uh, you, you kind of have to be prepared for those kind of conversations because it's also very much a, well, you know, no one's no one knows for sure. Therefore, no one's right. You don't know that Christianity is mm-hmm. right. And how dare you come down and say that my idea is wrong? Like that's a very heavy thing. Is um, I can be just as right as you, 
and you can't you can't tell me I'm wrong. And yeah. you you kind of have to be prepared for those kind of conversations and how you're going to word things because you can't attack someone right away or they're not going to listen to you. So yeah, you have to be like willing to enter a dialogue where they don't feel attacked, but you can still make your point. So that means you, you kind of really got to study apologetics in a lot of ways from apologetic uh, apologists who, who have these kind of conversations because they can do it in such a way, like all the guys at apologetics.com that I worked with for years. I mean, those are guys who know how to have conversations with people who can point out yes. the holes in someone else's argument without that person feeling attacked. Yes. So yes. I don't even know what got me down that, that rabbit hole, but you know, it would, it that, would that's be my amazing. contribution to this episode. Thank you everyone for participating in the church planner podcast. It, it would actually be amazing to get one of those guys on here. And to chat through with them, hey, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you have a conversation with someone? I mean, we got to put a finger in that, man. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, my last point, and thank you for your contribution. Uh, the podcast thanks you. Um, for my last point, I would say, um, and this is really important, um, don't separate evangelism from discipleship. The two overlap. So uh, when Jesus said, you know, go into all the world, make disciples, um, he does say preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So evangelism, um, the, it, it, preaching the gospel is one thing, but um, discipling is also evangelistic. So uh, when I build relationship with someone and I start meeting with them, I would disciple people into Christians. So I would meet with them and I would go through the scripture with them. I'd talk about their life and their problems. And we would just be friends. We might do a project together. We might go out to eat every week. We would set up a rhythm of friendship. And that would become for me, was I discipling them? You better believe. And did they have to be saved for me to disciple them? No. And again, that's that's another point is this that if if I were to say don't separate evangelism from discipleship, I would also say on it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Don't detach discipleship from friendship. There's not anyone who's my friend that I don't in some way consider that I'm discipling them and they're discipling me. Because what a disciple means is a learner, right? I, I've learned immense amounts of things from you, Pete, as a result of our friendship. And vice versa. And it's hard to put a finger on it, but you will influence that person hugely. And so discipleship is a two-way street of learning. I discipled this guy. He was like in his 50s. He was retired. The amount of wisdom I learned from that dude. And he, he wasn't saved when I first started meeting with him. And we became friends. And we shared a common interest. And uh, we'd get together and do that stuff. But he came to faith. His wife was going to my church. He comes to faith. Um, he was the guy that got saved because uh, Jesus had a mom, if you remember that story. You know, the Holy Spirit hit him with, Jesus had a mom. Remember that? No. Or, uh, I mean, I do remember you saying that, but I don't remember the story. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I was preaching on the fact that Jesus turns water into wine. Uh, and he says, it's not my time. This is what my father wants. But, you know, it was like. I'm like, the way you know, I just mentioned in my sermon, the way you know that this is a true story is the Bible's telling you, hey, he wasn't supposed to do this, but his mom asked. And my buddy was like, just something about that, the authenticity of that, the humanity of that, that Jesus is like, look, I'm not supposed to be doing this yet, you know, um, but he had a mom. 
He's like, his mom asked me, he just did it. And he's like, Holy Spirit just hit me. This really happened. Like, that's an eyewitness account. Hmm. And for him, that became his passion was pointing out eyewitness accounts. Well, that was the dude. We just started hanging out. And I'll never forget he shows up to my house. And that's what he told me. He, I, he, he, uh, he, he, he opens, I open the door and he goes, Hey, brother. And I go, uh, I, I go, Hey, brother. And he goes, Yeah, man. He goes, Jesus had a mom. <laughs> so he told me he got saved. I, I remember you saying that. Yeah. <laughs> and he was telling me because he was like an atheist. He was, um, I think he was actually more agnostic, but. He was so hopped up on evolution and we got here by accident and chance and yada, yada. And he was very intelligent. Um, so, you know, but, but that's what I'm saying is don't separate uh, evangelism from discipleship. They're the same. Befriend people, disciple them because you can't detach discipleship from friendship. So uh, that is my piece on work. That is my five ways to uh, engage people missionally the right way in a way that's not unnatural, weird, or forced. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? <laughs> I don't know why I like that one so much. It just that was our favorite in the early days, so oh, it was sure good to, was. to have a tie back to that. We laughed so hard we cried when we first saw that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then we had to, like, show it to uh, – oh, man. Was it Achata? Was it David Achata? It, it was, uh, like – Oh, yeah, because he was a um, he was a Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're like Jeff Vanderstelt. We're, like, here, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. <laughs> Fell a little flat. Well, guys – Thanks for joining us for the Church Planner Podcast today. I'm Peyton Jones, and this is Pete Mitchell. We are the hosts you. of the Church huh? Planner Podcast and will remain. So, Yeah, yeah, we're not going anywhere, <laughs> you suckers. <laughs> I got a mean streak today, don't I? I'm abusing our audience. <sighs> you stay with us this long, you deserve it. All right, well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us. We've been reminding you today, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I love you, man. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by a Lexus. Is this Pete Mitchell? This is Nigel calling for Pete Mitchell. Pete, it's Nigel. Please call me back. It's important that I speak with you, Pete. And I won't be late next week. That's so good. <laughs> Dude, I did not know about that one, but that is so hot. Oh, that's great. And I won't be late next week. That's You need to hold on to that one. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 